Greetings and welcome to Visibility with your host, Dr. Donna Maria Culbreth. You may call us to share your thoughts, pose a question, or to give a general comment by dialing area code 323-642-1562. And now, Dr. Culbreth. Greetings, everyone, and welcome to Visibility. Today is February 27th, 2018, and we're in Episode 3 of We Are Our Sisters Keepers, Black Girls and Women, Empowering Each Other in the Millennium. This is our little mini-series, and tomorrow night will be our last and final show in the mini-series, and next week we'll just start the regular Visibility shows. So welcome, everybody. Tonight, we have a really awesome topic. We're going to talk about being young, gifted, and black in the millennium. We have awesome guests. For those of you who would like to call in to listen live, to ask a question, comment, or to share, the listener line number is area code 323-642-1562. I do have the listener line on mute at this time. Once we get into the show, if you would like to call in, feel free. So before we get started, before I even go through the shows, tell you about the description of the show. Um, let me tell you a little bit about the rest of the um, our next series, our next show, which is coming on tomorrow. Tomorrow is going to be focusing on unity for us, by us. And it's really going to focus in on how we can advance, celebrate, embrace and empower each other as we continue on our journeys. So that is the last mini-series episode, so try and tune in tomorrow at 8 p.m., and we'll see you then. Okay, so here's the good thing. Let me tell you about tonight's show. As I told you, it's Young, Gifted, and Black in the Millennium. And here's a description. This entire episode, gang, is going to focus on girls, preteens, teens, And we're going to go into talking about the love and support and nurturing and guidance that they need as they grow into young women. Topics are going to focus on their psychological, emotional, physical, and social well-being. We're going to look at the foundation of I Am Beautiful Global, which is self-esteem, self-love, self-identity, self-pride, and self-respect. We're going to look at the National Girls and Women of Colors, Pillars of Character for Girls, We Have Time preteens and teens, and then additional topics are going to be focusing on quality education, nutrition, health, race, color issues, disparate treatment of black girls, racism, colorism. We're even going to look at how we can defy negative stereotypes about our girls. We're going to focus on the bullying, peer pressure areas, family, friends. We may hit on dating a little bit. Um, the community service, and the role the village plays in the development of our girls. So having said that, sit back, put on your seatbelts. Let me introduce you to my awesome guest. Um, I'll introduce our guest in alphabetical order. First guest is Ms. Nicole Finner, Nicole Natasha Finner. She received her Bachelor of Arts in Psychology from Clark Atlanta University, and upon completion of her child, of child psychology and developmental courses, she realized even more how important the early years of life are for children. Thereafter, she wrote her first book, which was actually a labor of love, 
and it connected her to her own childhood and time spent with her dear father. Then, well, in be- before we even she wrote the book, she developed what was called the Sister Girl Collection, and it's awesome. It's a series of books, and I'm going to let her tell you a little bit more about it after I finish the introductions. But I fell in love with Sister Girl collection and I even uh, told Miss Sinner that it makes me wish that I was a kid again to have a book like books like that to read. She's a visionary and she's a game changer. Writing is her avenue to help young girls on their journeys. As she equips readers with hope, she gives them a voice and inspiration with each with the turn of every page. Now the focus of Sister Girl Collection is to motivate young girls to be enthusiastic about life to make good decisions, and to learn that they are valuable. It gives young ladies a chance to talk about issues and life lessons that children face through colorful and exciting narrations. Every book is a sister girl learning a new lesson, a skill, or exploring the world. Miss Finner currently resides in Halifax, North Carolina, with plans to find other ways to reach the community and world through inspiration and advocacy. Our next guest is Ms. Victoria Goodlow, who is the CEO and co-founder of the Rose Foundation. It's R period, O period, S period, E period. And they'll tell you more about that as we go on. Foundation. And she's a native of Dallas, Texas. She earned a Bachelor of Arts in English at Texas A&M University at College Station. She is currently pursuing a master's degree in public administration, and her and one day she um, she's going to gain a prominent role in improving the quality of life in urban neighborhoods. Miss Goodlow is currently working as a program director for the Armadi Guest Foundation, a nonprofit organization that serves nutritious meals to underprivileged children in the Dallas Fort Worth area. Over the years, Miss Goodlow has developed a passion for youth and education. Growing up in Oak Cliff, Texas, opened her eyes to the skills and the resources that were so severely lacking for youth in that area for them to be successful. She focused on helping young girls develop the skill sets to be effective leaders in their communities. Our next guest is Ms. Johnson. And let me make sure I'm pronouncing your first name correctly. It's Janisa, right? Yes, Janisa. I was right. Okay, excellent. She's the chief operational officer and co-founder of the Rose Foundation. She's a native of Dallas, Texas, who earned her Bachelor of Arts in Psychology from Southern Methodist University. She is currently a master's candidate at the Milken Institute School of Public Health at George Washington University, where her focus is public health management and policy. Ms. Johnson has worked with AmeriCorps, and she's been AmeriCorps member, rather, and AmeriCorps VISTA, which is Volunteers in Service to America, to create and implement a program named Service Works. And this program was designed to impact underserved youth. She's also worked as a college advisor at David W. Carter High School, which I believe is an alma mater. Um, and while she was working there, she created, which was so awesome, a college-going culture. She currently works as a recruiter for Big Brothers and Big Sisters. Ms. Johnson's passion for giving back, you know, especially for the resources that she received while growing up in Oak Cliff, and her plans include providing mental health care 
for under-resourced communities. She knows that service is important because she believes everyone needs help at some point of their life, which is so true, regardless of the circumstances. Her favorite quote is that the help you give, whether the help that you give, whether small or large, will make a big impact on someone else. It could help them to regain their faith in life and humanity and has the potential to create an ongoing cycle of giving, which is wonderful. Ladies, good evening, and thank you for being a guest tonight. Thank you for having us. Thank you so much. Yes. So before we get started, let's do this. Ms. Center, tell us some more about Sister Girl Collection. Well, thank you for having me on the show. I'm so excited, and, I'm, and this invitation was so – I'm just so grateful and honored for you to have me on the show. And um, the Sister Girl Collection actually started out as a labor of love. I always wanted to write books. I always wanted to give back to the community. And so one day I woke up one Saturday morning, and the name Sister Girl came to me. And then um, one day about a year ago I decided I was going to write. And I went to the library in my childhood library in the city of Halifax where I grew, I grew up at, and I just started to write. And um, so it, it's blossoming into something so new. Um, I, I'm able to go to different schools and talk to kids, and I worked at an empowerment program. I spoke, so I'm just so excited. And um, this book is just I want to help kids motivate them to, you know, be free thinkers, to have self-worth, and to believe in themselves. And also the book I wrote, Sister Girl in the Training Wheels, that's a book about her and her dad. And so I wanted to spotlight relationships in our community. And, you know, sometimes people like to say that we don't have fathers in our communities, and I wanted to spotlight a, a daughter and her father having a positive relationship and so he trained her how to ride a bike so it's about learning patience it's about learning just you need to depend on someone and just showing love and so um i have another book that's coming out sister girl in a new dress and with that it's going to incorporate her and her mom so it's just a labor of love yeah it's beautiful i love it i love the character i love the description i love the way they look and and i'll tell my listeners when i first saw the Sister Girl collection, I was like a two-year-old. I was like, wow, I want a book. Um, you know what, what grabs my attention? When you can pick up a book as an adult and you're so drawn to a book for, for, you know, for children and you are so drawn to that, imagine a child's reaction when they see the pretty cover. Um, it just, it's just perfect. Fell in love with it. So thank you for being a guest. Um, this is going to be wonderful. Miss Goodlow, um, tell us a little more, Miss Johnson. Um, you can take turns. Tell us a little more about the Rose Foundation and what the ROSE stands for. Yes. Yeah, so the Rose Foundation, um, the Rose acronym in the Rose Foundation means raising our sisters to be excellent. And basically what we are trying to do is, you know, build um, a sisterhood of young girls um, that will blossom into active contributors to society. Um, so we have four pillars that we go over in curriculum, which is professional development, educational payment, community engagement, and self-affirmation. Um, so we founded the Rose Foundation in 2015. Um, me and uh, Ms. Johnson, you know, we just are based on 
upbringing and seeing how the girls here, it was just um, a great gap in how um, the girls were acting at their age into what we know now. And so we really want to bridge that gap and, you know, help them realize that they um, they can do whatever set their mind to. They are worthy of, you know, succeeding and, you know, getting out of the environment that they're in um, and really, you know, being engaged in what's going on in the community and solving problems and that they're smart and, you know, and that they people like going to college because, you know, the girls don't see that a lot, especially in their families. Um, there are a lot of first generation come across, you know, who want to do more. And so that's basically, you know, what our goals are for, you know, our community. I think that's beautiful, right? and I must commend all three of you um, with everything that you're doing. I think it's phenomenal, and the reason why I fell in love um, with everything that all of you are doing is because with the National Girls and Women of Color Council, we have the High and Beautiful Global Division for Girls, you know, Teens and Preteens, and everything that you guys are doing, it, it just fits right in, and I, I'm like, wow, this is absolutely awesome. So congratulations to all of you. Keep doing what you're doing because we need more young women like you who are bringing about the change that we need to see in this world. So thank you. That's great. And then I wanted thank to go you. back to you're welcome. I wanted to go back to a point in the center me about the father daughter relationships because I think um, it was a good point and I think that's why that book is excellent because. We often see, especially in the black communities, they're always saying that, well, the dads are not there. The father's not in her life. And I think this is excellent. I think the idea of the book is something that's going to go over well. And I love the concept of the new book with her building that relationship with her mom. So that's great. Thank you. We need to see that. So, ladies, let's get started. some have a good, interesting conversation. Let's start off by looking at the state of black girls in America. So, and each one, each one of your, um, each individual opinion, and I'll start with you first, Ms. Goodlow. What is your opinion um, on the state of black girls in America when it comes to their psychological, emotional, physical, well, let's just say psychologically, emotionally, physically, and socially? <clears throat> yeah, um, I believe there's a lack of assuring our black girls that they are important and beautiful. Uh, society tends to ignore the issues facing our black girls, whether it's like mental illness, inadequate coverage in the media, um, and limited resources to succeed beyond high school. Um, another thing is that, you know, none black women are unwilling to get involved in something that doesn't really um, directly affect them. And so this can have a great effect on our girls because when the other races are socially rejected, they're not able to, you know, realize their worth because it's like, oh, if no one else is going to match for me, who will? Why Why should I even care? And so it's like these negative experiences can put, you know, great psychological distress on our black girls. That's right. It does. It does. And, and that's an excellent point. On last week's show, we were talking about how we need schools and communities and the churches to be there and to understand the unique needs and experiences of black girls because their needs are different. And you made an excellent point because it, it is an issue where women who are not black, they really don't have the interest in helping um, mm-hmm. the black girls the way we, we know that they should. Ms. Finner, what are your thoughts? Same question. 
Well, my thoughts um, when I think of black girls, I sometimes think about us living in the in the communities that we live in, and I I look at um, growing up in rural America, and I live I grew up in Eastern North Carolina, so growing up in Eastern North Carolina, that was one of the I would say one of the economically challenged areas of the state, and so as a young black girl in that area it seemed like we had to work harder. You had to work mm-hmm. harder. It was a challenge. And you had to um, learn that you had to push yourself. So I would say that a lot of organizations, we had to come together as one to kind of help each other. And so when I was in seventh grade, I participated in a program called the um, Dr. Um, Turner Scholars Program, and that was at Elizabeth City State. And that really made a difference in my life because I was a first-generation um, college student. So I, I would say that for us to focus on, we have to focus on not just our families, just like the lady said previously, but we have to come together and focus on all our families, and that's what helps to elevate our daughters because that's what helped to elevate me. I had to go to a program, and they kind of pushed me into the direction of going to college. So we have to really work on elevating our girls. We do. Beautiful. Excellent. Ms. Johnson, what are your thoughts? Um, so I believe that black girls are often overlooked, um, over-policed, and sometimes even over-sexualized. Um, and yeah. I think it takes a toll on them, um, especially when they have to deal with these things while they're at school, at a place where they want to learn and grow. Um, and I, I think that they don't have adequate support in these places where where they should. Um, so it is affecting them psychologically, emotionally, physically, and even socially, um, just like you asked. And it's up to us as black women to give them support and to get in the schools and the education system and to uh, just even educate administrators and teachers on how to deal with these young women who are dealing with a lot of things when they leave the school and things we don't even know about and things we can't even fathom. Uh, my background is college advising. Sometimes I couldn't even, couldn't even wrap my head around some of the things that teenagers going through and then it made sense when they would come to school and they would act a certain way or do certain things. Um so I think that we just need to put things in place so people will be able to understand what these black girls want to Exactly. Excellent points. And I can tell you everything I agree one hundred percent across the board with all of you. When I was teaching at a inner city community college in Maryland, um, this is when that's what really made me really see. And it wasn't just in Maryland, it was in Washington, D.C. I was teaching at a college there also. And now remember, I'm dealing with college-level college um, level women. Throughout their whole lives growing up, they didn't get the support. They came to college. They were ill-prepared. They were writing problems, reading comprehension. There was like a lack of self-esteem, pride, like loving themselves and saying, okay, you know what, I can do this because, you know, and I used to tell them, ladies, look at yourself, look in the mirror and say, like, you know what, I'm all that. There's nothing I cannot do. But what made me, you know, I still work with my colorism research, but in working with the colorism and interviewing young women and teaching for over 17 years, 
I saw that there were so many issues, and they all kept centering back to, you know, the psychological, emotional, physical, and social well-being of black girls. And like you noted, I think Ms. Johnson just noted, some of the experiences or what these young women deal with every day, you know, to wrap your head around it sometimes. It's like, oh, how could this young lady be dealing with this? I mean, I dealt with students who were homeless. They were hungry. I mm-hmm. dealt with young women. What disturbed me the most and what made me really, like, walk away from uh, teaching was when at the college in Baltimore, um, the young black women were there, but they weren't centered. They were not focused. They didn't have any goals, any dreams. They were here because they were here, but there was not the interest in learning just was not there. There were no resources set up at the school to focus in on, you know, the unique needs and to help with them. And what I found most disturbing were the white faculty members who thought it was okay to give these young ladies A's and B's and they were doing them a grave injustice because they couldn't even do like C level work. And so what I had to do, I had to begin to teach them basic writing, basic, basic English, you know, how to think critically in addition to teaching the subject matter. And that's when I realized, I said, okay, you know what, this is it. Stoppers are out. Something has to be done. Then what I also found most disturbing was that they were still trying to offer a secretarial program to these black girls. And here's the bottom line. And it's not, there's nothing wrong with being, you know, secretaries. I'm not looking down on any occupations or anything because that's how I started out. But in this day and age, my thought processes were if we're going to teach them to work in an office, have a program, preparing them to work in an office environment, then prepare them to be more than a secretary. Prepare them to be, you know, maybe office manager, executive assistant. But they wanted to keep sticking to this area in which black girls were not even going into because the interest wasn't there. Plus it's the fact of the racism um, and them getting into these positions. And what I found disturbing was that why are you going to go to school and get an associate's degree to be a secretary? That didn't, it didn't click with me. Mm. So then I, I, that's why I'm saying, I think what all of you are doing is outstanding and we need to see more of it because we need to prepare our girls to to let them know they can dream of being a chemist, that they can be an attorney, a doctor, they can they want to be a physicist, they can go do it, a mathematician. And I saw more of gearing them toward the lower level positions and in my opinion, which were designed to always keep them in poverty. Mm-hmm. When I you know, and that's the problem I have and when I a white woman who worked there um, really resented the fact that I came in, I came in like a wrecking ball. I'm like, listen, if you're going to offer a degree program, then you're going to offer a degree program that's going to be something that's going to elevate these young people to keep moving forward in life. Not something that's going to stagnate them or lock them in and say, well, this is all that you can be. Stay here. So I, I think what... And another thing, another point I wanted to make up too, when we talk about them being prepared, is that my sister told me about there were programs in, in here in the city, and they had training programs that the young women could go to. Well, 
the programs are training them to be housekeepers to clean, you know, in hotel rooms. And my, the problem that I have with that is that I don't think you need training to go to a program to teach you how to clean a hotel room. Maybe you do. Right. Maybe a two-day training. But come on, four-week, three-week training, it's garbage. And so many black women and other women of color who are being geared through these programs, through nonprofits, mind you, who they rave that are the greatest thing in the world. And I'm saying, good God, Miss Agnes, did anybody ever stop to think that we need to focus in on breaking the cycle of poverty, for, especially for black yeah. girls, women? If you continue to gear them toward these programs that are putting them into low-level income jobs, how in the world are they ever going to rise above, buy a home, buy a car, get out of poverty, and live a good quality life? So I challenged a woman um, in a supermarket that I go to. I'm going to mention the name of the supermarket or the school. But there was a black girl working there who just had a very nasty attitude. And I tried to work with her, but she was just out of control, so I reported her to the manager. And the manager's response, this is what she said to me, this is how they are. Uh, And she's white. They come in like this. These young women are living horrible lives, and we're trying to help them. And then maybe I'm still believing to this day, I'm praying in my, that she was wrong. And she said that they were part of an internship program from a college. Here's my problem, gang. How in the world, and my sister made a good point of this too, how in the world can you tell me that this young lady is going to a four-year college university and the only type of internship you can give her is working in a supermarket but that's where the black girls were being geared to from, and this mm-hmm. is, again, based on what the manager said to me, she could be just a bit, she could have been, in, you know, incorrect or made a mistake. Maybe it could have been another program that I'm praying that's what she meant. But I found it disturbing when my sister noted that girls of color, or I'm sorry, girls who are not girls of color, were getting the internships in like the little corporate environments while the black girls are being geared toward these positions because of their skill sets, um, skill, you know, the critical thinking. So this is why I think what all three of you are doing is so important because we need to catch them when they're young and mold them and prepare them and put that. And I'm from the old school, so I believe that if you don't instill in someone a strong sense of self-worth, that they are somebody instilling them, a, you know, healthy levels of self-love, self-esteem, pride and respect and identity. If that's not instilled in these young girls and you just say, oh, I'm just going to take them out and throw them in this program. Let's say they enter the program and their self-esteem is an all-time low, negative zero. Here's the problem. You can give them all the training in the world. And they could go through your program with flying colors. But when they step foot into the real world and reality kicks in and they have to deal with some of the harshness, the racism, the colorism, being labeled um, the negative stereotypes, if that particular young lady does not have a strong sense of self, she's going to crumble and fall. So 
what I admire about what all of you are doing is that you're doing that whole person approach where it's about the love, the identity, the voice, the respect, um, to teaching that they can excel and do so much more in life. So I commend you all for doing that. I, I just love what you do. Now, here's my next question to you. What roles do we as black women play in the development of healthy um, psychological, emotional, physical, and social well-being of black girls? Like, what, what is our role? What are we supposed to be doing to make sure that we're providing them with a foundation, a solid foundation upon which they can grow? Let's start with Ms. Finner. Yes, I firmly believe that we have to serve as guiding light. And when I say a guiding light, is because sometimes you cannot get to every young black girl, but you can get to the ones that you come in contact with. And we have to work to um, teach life skills. I think that's something that um, sometimes we don't always talk about, but we have to have programs that teach people just the basic life skills, critical thinking skills, and then you have to elevate them to the point that they want to aspire to do more because things like self-esteem and feeling good about yourself, it don't come overnight. So if someone is at home and having a bad experience or if they're getting bullied in school or they're having negative experiences, we have, as black women, we have to know how to go and talk to each other and wrap our arms around each other. And if we have programs, we have to reach back, you know. So we have That's to right. know that community service is so important and giving back is so important. So if we're doing good in our, in our jobs, whatever we're doing, we need to know that we have to go back to our communities and say, okay, this is a young girl. Let me mentor her. Let me be there for her. Let me teach her a new skill. Let me educate her. Let me give her some information that she needs. Um, let me direct her to a program. And then um, that will start instilling more self-esteem, more self-worth into our girls because if sometimes if they're just seeing negative experiences, sometimes people kind of just ex- expect that. So you have to show them that life can be different. And so I'm, I'm looking at things that um, – and they have to understand they have a purpose. And something I remember having a conversation one day, I think it was me and my sister, and when girls are in sports and they're in, like, civil, um, civic organizations and they're doing different things and, and groups and learning, they're, they're learning that their mind is important. And I think as a, as a woman, as sisters, as friends, as over organizations, we have to teach our girls that everything is not about their physical, it's not about their body, is about their mind. They can they can think. They can do things. They can create the world they want to live. They want to live and how they want to be. So we have to teach them to believe in themselves, and it's not just about the physical. Yeah, we. I, you have to be. You know, everybody wants to be pretty, and everybody wants to be in shape, and all these different things. But they have to know that their mind is important. So I, I would say, as a woman. My goal is to educate our girls, and it's so exciting just to go and talk to them and see them and go read, and they get excited. And so we, I really feel like our role is to give back, and it may not be a specific role. Like my, the way I give back may be different from the other two ladies' way of giving back, but we have to go in and give back if our nonprofits, our organizations, and we have to go to the communities that we don't always go to. You know, it may be one part of the town that you're used to going to, but you got to spread the love in every direction. So for That's me, true. It's just 
being in a you know in a in a role of leadership wherever you at just go into the areas that most people don't go. If you're gonna do give away backpacks, if you're gonna give away school supplies, if you're gonna go do a presentation, you know, go and help as much as you can because then someone will see a light in you. So when I say God and light, it's like someone see a, a light in you and that'll spark something. You know, sometimes you we can be someone's role model and they don't. We don't even know that we're someone's role model. And then later on, a couple of years, they'll come by and say, "You know what? When you did that, that really, you know, changed my life, or that made my day." So it's just about actually caring and trying our mm-hmm. best to just stand and be role models and to give back and go into the community and let the girls know that they matter and that they can do anything they put their minds to. And I, I remember another example. Uh, when I was a, a young child, I used to be a little scared to do math in school, and now we have to push our girls. We have to push them towards STEM. It's not a man just can do that or boys are smarter than you. No, you can do the math. You can do the science. You can do the biology and the chemistry. So we have to really let them know that they are able to do the things that they don't think they can do. And sometimes, um, girls, sometimes you just have to push them. And my last example down there, one of those they say, I remember I was talking to one of my coworkers the other day, and she was telling me that her daughter told, um, is a freshman in college, and her daughter said to her, I'm sending her a text and say, you know what, Mom, I'm smart. And she said that um, she's been telling her daughter all her life that she's smart, but it took her all these years to realize it. But sometimes we just have to stand there, you know, stand in the gap for the, the, our daughters and keep pushing them and let them know that, Anything is possible. You can do this. You can do this. Just we have to push them. I think it's about pushing them and being there for them. And my last example, I remember when I was like um, maybe 15 or 16, and I remember I was like feeling like I don't have a talent. And I, I told my mom one day, and my mom told me, she was like, Nicole, your talent is your public speaking, your the speech you wrote. And so sometimes we have to believe in them even when they don't even believe in themselves. So that's, that's right. the goal. We have to really, we have to stand there and say, you know, I see you. You're in my class. Um, you, you're, do, you're doing excellent on your spelling, but give them some uh, extra push. So sometimes we just have to stand in the gap, and you don't know all the times the role you're going to play. You may be the role of you may have to take them some lunch. You may have to have an after-school program. You may have to, you know, have a Saturday morning academy. You may have to – you don't know the role exactly. You just know you have to be a guiding light and win. Someone needs some help. You're there to help them. That's one beautiful, wonderful. That you made excellent points. And and one thing I, I like, I really like that you said is that we have to teach them to believe in themselves. Believe that you are, you know, you're beautiful. And the other issue too is that it's not always about that physical, about the body. And I think that I think Miss Johnson, Miss Goodwill, one talked about how they're we're always over sexualizing our girls. Mm-hmm. And which is a good point because I've seen so many young girls. I've seen them like in high school wearing the weaves down to the behinds and the little sexy tops, you know, showing their bodies. And it's more of a f- interest in them being, I have to be sexy, cute. And I explained mm-hmm. to a group of young girls in Maryland once before, I said, listen, that crap that Beyonce wears, Rihanna, and all these singers, when they wear that stuff on stage, that's an act. They're on your job. They're working. That's what they do. You don't see them wearing some of that stuff in their private lives. If they're going to the airport or somewhere, you'll see them in jeans and a t-shirt. 
And I think it's important that we teach our girls that, that yes, you want to be in shape, you want, you want to take care of yourself, you want to, everybody wants to be beautiful like you noted, but we need to teach them to use what they have upstairs, you know, to exactly. learn to think, criti- think critically, develop skills. Um, I can tell you this, I'm going to move on to Ms. Goodlow and Ms. Johnson. And when I first moved to Jersey, I sent letters out, you know, to the bulk of the black community here, the churches, saying to them, listen, um, I'm with the National Girls and Women of Color Council. We have an anthology. We have a call for submissions where we're looking for young women, women, everyone, even men, to write essays, short stories, um, poetry, you know, any topics they wanted to write. I sent it out, didn't get a response. And then I reached out to um, someone else here who claimed they worked with young girls. But the problem is that this person is not someone who I would want my daughter to go to as a role model, as a mentor. And the reason why I'm saying this is because program, if you're teaching girls to write um, in a, a journal or to put together a magazine, you have to, if they don't know, you have to teach them how to write well. And I think mm-hmm. one of the mistakes that was made is when they took, a lot of people tell me they took handwriting out of schools. Mm-hmm. And to me, what, what I found most disturbing as a black woman was to see another black woman sit there and they literally published their little poetry in their writing. This was years ago. My sister and mom were telling me about this. And it was horribly grammatically incorrect, sentence structure, uh, using the wrong words, pronunciation and everything. And she said, there, and she said, oh, that's great. Isn't this wonderful? And here's my problem with that. Yes, you want to praise them for the effort, but you teach them how to do it the right way. Because if we continue to say to, to, to a young lady who wrote something that's not grammatically correct, and you praise her and you keep saying, this is great, keep doing it, and she continues to write on that poor level, what's going to happen when she gets into high school? What will happen when she goes to college? And this is why I wanted to step in because when I'm, as a, as a professor, I had too many young black girls that could not write. They couldn't write a decent paragraph. So mm-hmm. I think, you know, and you, that's why I'm telling you made valid points. We have to teach them to believe in themselves, but we have to show them how to do things, how to, to teach, sit down, you know, tutor them, whatever it takes to teach them how to write well, how to be critical thinkers, to believe that, you know, the sky and above is the limit for them. And now let me shut up. Ms. Johnson, what are your thoughts on, you know, what roles that we play as black women with um, our girls? Um, So I kind of live by this quote by Shirley Chisholm. And in it, she said, service is the rent we pay for the privilege of living on this earth. And I wholeheartedly believe in mentoring. I had mentors growing up. At the age I am right now, I have five women mentors. Um, So I think it is our role as black women to definitely mentor um, the young people who are coming up. I'm a big advocate for that um, because I know I, I didn't get here alone. And I know everyone has had some to kind of guide them on no matter who you are, where you are in your career. And I think now important for us to be involved with the next generation because they're dealing with a lot of things that we never had to do. Um, they're dealing with That's colorism, sexuality at younger ages. 
um, peer pressure and even recently school shootings and violence. And um, mm-hmm. I don't remember having to deal with a lot of that even growing up. So I think it's, it's our role to be a support system for them um, because they're exposed to a lot of different things and they're op- their eyes are open to societal biases early. And so it's mm-hmm. our role as to kind of help them to combat that and to, like Ms. Goodlow said earlier, to let them know that they are valued and they have a platform and that we'll fight mm-hmm. for them um, with whatever that they want to do. That's an excellent point. I, I think that's um, it, it's so important. Ms. Goodlow, what are your thoughts? Um, I am really big on self-worth. That's something I've struggled with since I was, like, probably like elementary school, like I really struggled with, you know, just having confidence in myself. And I think that's where it starts because if you don't, if you don't believe in yourself, you don't believe you're beautiful. You don't believe you're smart, you know, and all these other things, everything else will fail. Um, So, you know, it's um, really important uh, for me, you know, as my role as a mentor to, you know, instill in our girls that they are valuable they are important. They are significant, and they and the and their purpose on earth is to you know, make a difference. To you know, go out there and you know, be all that they can be. Um, and also another thing is, you know, Satan he will definitely get in your head about your insecurities, and so it's uh, mm-hmm. I really try to help today. You know, hold their thoughts captive. You know, any negative things that they have about it, and just and you know, we always uh, do activities on speaking positive, you know, self-affirmations and stuff like that. And we make sure the girls are always telling each other something good about that other person. Because, of course, you could tell yourself all day, oh, I'm great, I miss when you hear from someone, you know, so genuinely from another peer, that makes a difference. So I just love to do that for um, our girls. And, you know, just have those tough conversations. Um, as well, because, you know, we had a, a, a workshop talking about Centoya Brown and her issues, like the injustices mm-hmm. that she had. So, um, being a woman mm-hmm. of color at her age, they can relate. Mm-hmm. And, it's you know, I could be in that position. How? What can I do today to make sure that I, you know, don't make these mistakes, but also at the same time, you know, help other people, you know, this is wrong and um, you can make sure. Wonderful. You excellent point. Um, you brought up a good point with affirmations. In twenty fourteen, um, Dr. Jung, myself, and my daughter Ada, we wrote a book of affirmations for girls of health. And, and after the show I'll make sure I get your addresses, send each one of you a copy and if you want some for your you know, for the work that you're doing, I'll just I'll donate them to you. But the Thank book you. was titled you're sure you're welcome, called it was titled Live Life Beautiful. 140 affirmations for girls, you know, we focus in on colorism, race, hair, um, you know, we talked about education, bullying, respect, being safe on the internet, because we felt, we felt that it was a need for them to have those affirmations and just say one every day, believe it, you know, keep saying it over and over to yourself, because you, you made excellent points when we talk about believing in them, teaching them to believe in themselves. And letting them see how much we believe in them. And they need the support system. They need to know that, like you said, they're valuable, they're important, they have self-worth. We see too many of our girls, especially dealing with with so many issues. Like you noted, 
we didn't, and I know when I was growing up, I didn't deal with one-fourth of the issues that these young people are dealing with now, like the colorism, race issues, um, the negative stereotypes or treating the black girls so differently. And I remember I worked with one young lady when I was in Maryland, and she always had this attitude, this nasty. And I said to her one day, I said, you know what? I am so sick and tired of you being nasty, rude, and disrespectful. That's going to stop today. And I'm going to use tough love with you whether you like it or not. And she sat down, and then she started opening up to me. And that's when she told me, she said, you know what, Dr. C, my self-esteem has always been low. And she was a beautiful young lady. And the reason why I charged her is because um, she was having boys climb in her her bedroom window at nighttime. And it was were different guys. And, you know, I snatched her up about it, and I said, listen, you are so much more than somebody's little toy in the bedroom. You have self-worth, you know, where's your pride? But she told me that she was like that because she could never get a boyfriend because she was a little heavy set. She wasn't considered the pretty girl. And she felt the only way that she could get someone's attention was by being, you know, Miss Sexpot. And those were her words, as I say that in quotes. Mm. So I worked with her for like four years. And in the end, this young lady did a three-six, but it was a lot of work, a lot of reinforcement, because after she would leave, you know, after she would leave talking to me, she would go back into that environment where she was being put down constantly. So finally, one day I had a talk with her mom, and I said, listen, I'm just going to shoot straight from the hip because I'm very direct, and I'm not going to sugarcoat this. And I just told her, that you are ruining your daughter's life. You tear her down. You shoot her down constantly. How can you expect her to have healthy self-esteem and really love herself and have pride and respect for her body when you're tearing her down so she thinks the only way she could be accepted was through these little sexual escapades that she was having? Mm. And, and, the, and there was no focus on what am I going to do with my life? Where am I going to? Where do I see myself in five years? There was nothing that wasn't being instilled in her. So after working with her for years and years, she did a 360, you know, and we would sit back and laugh about the boys climbing in a window, and I would always catch her. And she would say, Miss Donna, why are you always bothering me? And the point that I wanted to make to her is that you're not, as a black girl, don't allow yourself to think that you have to be someone's sexual toy. You're more than that. You're more than, you know, just that body thing. And, you know, so it, the, I think at the end of the day, as you noted, mentoring is important. Mentoring where they have someone to talk to, someone can guide them, and they need to know that you care. When, they, when young girls know that you really care about them, their future, what they're doing now, if they're doing well in school, you know, relationship-wise, it makes have – have any of you ever noticed that it makes a big difference when you really show them how much you care? Exactly. Mm-hmm. It, it's, it's, it's interesting. Okay, so let's look at this point. We know that there's so many issues that we see every day dealing with racism, and it doesn't seem to be getting better. It seems to be getting worse, and we know that with the racism, how it can really affect, especially black girls, how they're treated, um, 
the stereotypes within. My question is, considering in light of all the racial issues that we see at play in 2018, how can we help black girls develop healthy black identity, you know, with this self-love, self-esteem, respect, and pride? How can we say to them, you know, despite you being treated disparately, being targeted, the harsh punishment of black girls in school, how can we help them develop a healthy self-worth? Miss <laughs> Goodlow. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> for as long as I can remember, you know, whites have always been glorified. You know, that Eurocentric look um, is always preferred over, you know, the look, the full lips of the black women, full hips and, you know, our curves and stuff. And so mm-hmm. while we have been glorified, black women and men, you know, were seen as savages. And so mm-hmm. there's also the issue with colorism, uh, that lighter skin is best, better than darker skin. Um, I've mm-hmm. definitely dealt with growing up. You know, that's just not the case because, you know, all shades of black are beautiful. Um, you could tell our girls all day that they need to envision themselves as queens and royals. When that representation isn't there, especially in the media, it's hard to believe that. And so, mm-hmm. um, like with Black Panther, I don't know who saw, but that film, I love I love it. I went and saw it uh, four times. <laughs> wow. <laughs> I haven't gotten it yet. <laughs> Wow. Yeah, I'm so appreciative of, like, movies like that because, you know, I'm 27 years old, and so um, I came out of that movie theater, you know, loving my skin even more than I did before um, watching that movie. And so at this, if I'm uh, 27 years old, imagine what, you know, younger girls are feeling, you know, seeing our skin women, you know, being independent, being um, fierce and wise strong and really holding down the fort while their men, you know, are gone and stuff. And so um, these are the type of images that our girls need to see to develop a healthy black identity. Um, you know, and we have been intentional on showing them strong black uh, and um, uh, who overcome the same adversities that they have um, at the moment. And um, if the images are not there, we need to also encourage our girls to, you know, change that, to go out there and succeed and solve it for themselves so the generation under them will have to look up to. Exactly. Wonderful. Ms. Johnson, what are your thoughts? Yeah, so um, in addition to it, let's just hit on there again. So I, I saw a video on social media, and it was a – the black girls looking at a poster of the warriors, they were like, you know, that's me. Like, that's me. I think that is so important for them to be represented and to be proud of themselves and their heritage. So I, I agree. I love Black Panther as well. Um, as far as the racism and how we play a role, um, it, it's not going to be easy ever. We're going to always have to but it is getting a little easier just because they are being represented by the Black Girls Raw campaign, Black Girls Code, the Black Girls Magic media movement, and and all the black women who are trailblazers and who are being the first to do things. And um, I, I really love social media at times because it's very easy to share these stories with our girls, and they have quick access to it. 
Um, and I think it's just so important that we have women like Michelle Obama, even Oprah, who are out there doing amazing things that, that they can see um, uh, in a workshop with our girls. We even watched Oprah's, uh, was it the Golden Globe speech? And we kind of analyzed what she was talking about and just how she was the first um, African-American woman in the award that she did and how important that was and uh, the Me Too mm-hmm. movement and how it's to use your words and your voice and, and um, use well, have your own platform and to speak out on the different things that you see that are wrong within and um, within your community. Yeah, that's exactly that's true. Miss Center, what are your thoughts? Um, yes, um, I believe to work with um, our girls when it comes to, you know, black identity, it starts in the um, family and it starts in the community, it starts in the church. I believe that we have to teach our daughters and our children about history and let them know that they're not, someone came before them, so they're on the back to someone else. Someone came before them, um, before them to have the opportunity to get on the bus to walk, go where they go, go to the schools they go to. So they will have pride in knowing that somebody else came before them to make a way for them. Because I think sometimes children sometimes feel like they're by themselves. And when you feel like you're out there by yourself and you don't know your history, you don't know where you come from, you don't have an identity. And I think sometimes that's why everybody um, looking at TV and everybody's looking at the Internet, they want to be like a certain person, but they have to know that they came from what they came from. So they have goals and they have ambitions. And that's something that always motivated me for me to have a better you know, identity and self-love and esteem is knowing that someone came before me, someone cared enough for us to be able to do the things that we do and have the opportunities that we have. Because sometimes we don't have value because we don't even know where the opportunity came from. Sometimes you're walking through a door and you don't even know that somebody had to push that door down for you to walk through it. So that's right. I think that's a good identity, just having pride in where they come from. And sometimes that's kind of hard. And I do agree with the other sisters on the line about Black Panther, the movie, but <laughs> Because the show is given an identity. Sometimes children don't have an identity. You know, we you know we're living in America, but sometimes I, a lot of families don't have a culture. And I was lucky that you know my mom was my mom's an immigrant, so she immigrated from Trinidad. So it, growing up, that helped me have a culture because I could see oh on Christmas time we do this, on the holiday we do this, and right. different things that you brought to the table. So sometimes to have an identity, you have to know where you come from. So I'm excited that everybody is excited about the movie because it's giving you an identity. It's letting you know that someone is out there that's strong, that's preparing something for you. So that's something that we all have to work on. Everybody has to find their identity and find their culture and help them to know that, you know, read some books. You know, I love Dora Neale Hurston, you know, you know, writers. And like you said earlier, Michelle Obama and Maya Angelou, you know, and let them know that you're not out here by yourself. Someone paved the way and it's up to you to walk through it. And you do have an identity. That's all. Beautiful, wonderful. Well said, all of you, because it's such a valid point, and it's so important, I think, that our girls know this. And I think, like with programs, like with your books, I think this is how we're really going to make a significant difference because you just have to step out there and do it and say, listen, I'm here to help you. And and really 
put together quality programs. One of the things I find most annoying and upsetting is when I see programs that are pure garbage that are designed. When I was in, in Baltimore, I remember one time I went on a I don't know if it was a volunteer thing or an interview. I don't remember what it was for. But I visited this woman's site. And she was a black woman. And she had this really nice building. And she was running these programs. You know, everybody in the community was, it was an all-black community. Everybody there was black. But the programs that she offered were pure garbage. And I think I was going to volunteer with her. And then I started seeing through that she was just running the center to get money. Because the hmm. programs were doing nothing to prepare them for the real world. And there was so many young black girls in the program. And they would come in and want to talk to her about problems and issues. And I remember one time what made me walk out. A girl walked in and the, the director was eating her lunch. And the girl walked in in tears and said she needed to talk. So she said, mm, not now. You have to go. She shooed the girl out, slammed her door to finish her lunch. Mm. And I remember that day I said to myself, wow, this is such a crack that this woman's handing out here. But she was getting great money. She was getting funding from every which way you could turn. And I, I just found it to be so disturbing and upsetting because, like with the Rose Foundation, they're doing quality. They're providing programs that are important, the workshops, and they're making a difference in the lives of our girls. And that's so important. And speaking of which... When we start looking at how black, about black girls in general, the needs and experiences of black girls are unique from those girl, of girls belonging to other groups. And when I say that, I'm talking about dealing with just personal issues, the way they're raised, living in inner cities, dealing with poverty. Um, some of our, our schools are not giving our children quality education. You know, again, the self-worth issue how the how girls are often treated disparately in school, family problems, being homeless, um, the peers and peer pressure, and with their voices being heard and, and then being visible. So my question is, what can we do as black women to make sure, black women to make sure that the voices of black girls are heard and that the unique needs and experiences understood? Ms. Finner. Um, my goal as a black woman to make sure that black girls, you know, needs are met and their voices are heard is to um, have programs and to go into the community and help them. And through my book is a way of children can sit down and have conversations and talk about different things and see different viewpoints. And also to um, make sure that their voices are heard is just to listen. Sometimes um, as Adults, you don't always listen to the children or listen to whoever they um you're speaking to. Just give them the opportunity to voice their opinions, and then from there on, you can go on and say, "How can I help this person? What can I do to be of service to you?" So the primary goal is to be of service. I think for everybody's voice to be heard is to be of service to each other. So that's the mm-hmm. primary goal is to be of service. Wonderful, Miss Johnson. Yeah, absolutely. In addition to that, we have to give them a platform to where their voices can be heard. We have to make them feel important and empowered to make decisions. We have to advocate for them and also them to advocate for themselves. And I like to touch on our community engagement pillar, 
And one thing that Ms. Gillow and I came up with, and she can give you more details about that, is that we've empowered our girls to change things in their community rather than waiting on policymakers or grown-ups to do things and to fix things. We've empowered them to find out what's wrong, find out how you're going to fix it, create partnerships, go out there and do it. Um, and last year they tackled homelessness, and this year they are going to work with um, foster youth. And so it's, it's, these girls are smart, and we just have to let them do what they do and just be great at it and give them the tools to do it. Mm-hmm. Wow, yeah, perfect. Uh, yeah, definitely. Um, well, we uh, really try to help our girls realize is that, you know, it's not all about yourself. Um, other people need at their needs and have needs as well. And so we want them to, you know, not only advocate for themselves, but advocate for others in the community who don't have that or who don't have a platform to really speak up and say something. And so, um, yeah, with the homeless uh, event that we had last year, um, we worked with Faith Walker Charities here um, in Dallas, Texas. And so they were in charge of, like, getting the donations, uh, making phone calls, setting up the event, the time, everything. This year is we're doing a uh, field day with um, foster kids, and so they are in charge of, like, raising money and putting together the games and stuff like that. So um, it's really amazing to watch them uh, be passionate about certain things and to really go after that and make a difference in the community um, uh, and so and provide the change that they want to see, you know, and so, um, exactly. yeah. It's really good. Yeah, and so in addition to that, um, what was really funny is when we told them, like, this is your thing, we'll just sit back and watch and, and kind of help you if you stumble. And so they were in charge of making phone calls to adults who, you know, own companies and businesses. And so they were really afraid. And so they really didn't know what to do. And we kind of, you know, teach them what to say and how to say it. And now they're comfortable doing that. They're comfortable going into stores and asking for in-kind donations. They're comfortable speaking with adults and taking care of their business stuff. That's equipping them with the tools to have a platform to speak out for themselves and others. And I just love this part of our program, if you can't tell. <laughs> yeah, I can tell you yes. <laughs> No, but that's, see, you know what? Your enthusiasm, see, they will see that, and that's what will spill over to them. And that's what makes the difference. When they see that you are so into it and you're so hyped and you just love it, that makes a, trust me, 100% difference. And it'll right. just like boost, boost them up. <laughs> so what can we do then to teach our, our black girls that they are more, that there's so much more than just young, being young, gifted, and black? Black, Miss um, Goodlow. Uh, yes. Um, so uh, we need to uh, teach that our girls that they are a priority, um, that they mm-hmm. are not less than our they are not invisible. Like we, like we see you. Um, I want to realize, that. and you know, it, it is up to uh, campaigns like ours to change the narrative for our young black girls. You know, but you know, like you're not bossy. You have leadership skills. You're not aggressive. Uh, you are. Um, you just know what you want and you go for it. When people say you're not lady, because they are threatened by your voice. Um, and, exactly. you know, you are resilient. Um, I think black girls, you know, 
it's a it's a this a vibe we have. <laughs> and so, <laughs> a lot of them realize how passionate their voice yeah, uh, is. So if they tap into that, like they they can change the world definitely. <laughs> I again, I agree. I love this wonderful, Miss Fenner. What are your thoughts? My thoughts are that um, exactly like our sister just said, you have to teach our daughters that they're valuable and that they are empowered to make good decisions and they're empowered to um, change the world and they're empowered to, you know, if they decide to be anything they want to be, they can do it. And then we have to always be supportive. So sometimes their decisions or the way they think, we have to be supportive of the way they think, and then we have to encourage them. If they need guidance, we have to be there to guide them as well. So to help them to have their voice and to to be um, great daughters and sisters and mothers, we just have to be there as guidance and support and just to empower them. Wonderful. Ms. Johnson, what are your thoughts? Yeah, uh, just in addition to what Ms. Goodlow said, a lot of people don't understand how passionate black women we get so passionate about even little things. So people don't understand why we may uh, smack our lips or whatever. Or we may get loud. Yeah. But that's because we're passionate. And we have to teach our girls that people may not understand that, but do you. If you want to be passionate, if you want to do that, go ahead. Because one day people will understand. You will make a statement. Um, but I, I love the girls that we work with. We work with. Um, elementary, middle school age, and also high school age girls, and they're all brilliant. And it's just crazy to just sit down with them and, and just just take in knowledge because even though we're teaching them lessons, we learn a lot from them. Uh, we take away a lot. Um, yeah, and they're very smart. So a lot of yeah, and you can learn from them. <laughs> yeah, right. You know, they, they teach us too at the same time. Yeah, that's true. They do. Yeah. It's, it's yeah. It's our job to make sure that they let other people know that they are brilliant mm-hmm. um, and that people know that they have ideas and to allow them to speak up and then just empower them. And what I said, STEM game. <laughs> I love teaching them <laughs> anything from college and career to um, just being yourself or just learning how to use your voice and advocate for others. And so, um, I think that as long as we just put them on game, <laughs> then they'll just know that they are brilliant. But see, you know what I think is so wonderful, too, with um, all three of you is that your passion, when you all speak, you can hear the passion. And trust me, the young women, young girls and preteens and teens, they can see that. When they see that yeah. you're in it, because this is who you are, that you love it. I remember I wrote an um, essay for at the end of the year on be the change you want, you wish to see in the world. And in there, I remember, um, I thought it was so important because someone had said to me that, you know, this is your passion. I told him, this is my life work, my life's work with girls and women of color. And I remember, I don't remember who said this to me. She's like, you are so passionate about it. And it's funny when you said that sometimes we get loud, but no, that's our passion coming out that I'm telling you, this is what I'd love to do. This is my, this is my dream baby. And I remember one, at one time, my husband said to me, um, you were a great professor. You have to get back into teaching until no, what I want to do is something with service oriented where I'm giving back, where I'm helping young girls 
you know, teens, preteens, even women, even our seniors, um, you know, just help, you know, them make changes or help them live good quality lives or just work with them because you get so much more out of it. And I've worked in corporate America um, and higher education, and I think the greatest reward for me has been doing the nonprofit thing. Because you, at the end of the day, you feel so much better. And the more you work with the young women, like you said, we learn from them as they learn from us. But they keep you going. Um, mm-hmm. It's never never a dull moment, trust me. Never. And it's funny because when I lived in Maryland, I always had a full schedule. It's always super, super busy. And I would joke and tell people, I, I meet myself at my own doors. I'm coming and going. And they would laugh. But... No matter how busy, how much work I had to do, the young people in the neighborhood were always ringing my doorbell. Miss Donna, I need to talk to you, such and such a thing. Miss Donna, this. And I would always tease them and be like, go away, leave me alone, I'm busy, you know, to make them laugh. And, but those young people, they kept me going. And mm-hmm. I think it's so important that we are, we as black women, that when we're working with our girls, that we show the passion, that they can see it, they can feel the love, and that this is something you're doing because it's deeply ingrained in the inner fabric of your being. And with all of you, it just it just it just spills right out. So that's great. So Miss Finner, awesome. we're gonna. Yeah, I, I just love this stuff. And when I, you know, was looking for guests for the show, and I selected the three of you, I knew then instantly. I said, this is gonna be a good blend. And I remember, isn't it? And it's such a good blend. I said to my husband earlier, I said, we're having a really awesome show tonight. I have three incredible young women coming on. And I said, I'm telling you the chemistry. I can just feel it. It's going to be perfect. And in, indeed it is. So this is great. So Ms. Finner, let's talk about you and the um, Sister Girl Collection. How does the Sister Girl um, Collection inspire black girls to excel in school? to develop that healthy self-esteem, you know, that self-worth thing, and to um, develop healthy relationships with you, with friends and with family. Thank you. Uh, the Sister Girl Collection, the goal is it's an empowerment book series that encourages young children to be courageous. So when I say courageous, about, you know, making good decisions, um, learning new things, and just knowing that their ideas are valuable and and also with having a productive life, we want children to know that, you know, you can be anything you set your mind to, but you have to be intentional. And that's one of my goals is to teach children that you have to have intent. What is it that you want to do? You need to be focused. You need to um, make a schedule. You need to plan things so um, on your goals and be goal-oriented. So the Sister Girl Collection, where it, the thing is to teach children to be goal-oriented and to go after their dreams and to aspire to know the world is theirs. And also, mm-hmm. the, another thing, I need, I want children to learn how to celebrate small accomplishments. So, in the book, Sister Girls learned how to ride a bike, and she had to, you know, get on the bike, and she fell down, but she learned that she needs training wheels on, and the help of her father to get her where she needs to be. So, as children, sometimes you want to learn how to do something, but sometimes you have to go take steps at a time. It's going to, it's going to come to mm-hmm. you. And, um, Something that stays with me, and I always think about it, one of my professors in college one day, after I graduated, I went back and spoke to her, 
And she told me that, Nicole, you have to um, realize in life, every new thing that you do, you're like a flower, that you have to plant the seed, you have to put some water in, it has to grow. So you have to be gentle with yourself. And that's something that I want children to know as well, that, you know, mm-hmm. we want them to be persistent and, they you know, they go through things and they, they're resilient, but they have to be kind to themselves and, you know, have and to build their self-worth, they can't have negative self-talk. They have to continue to motivate them, goals of the Sister Girl Collection. And the other thing is just to have grit. That's something I've learned um, through the years is that to have to be passionate about what it is that you want to accomplish. And sometimes you have to um, learn that even though you want to accomplish a goal, you have to take the steps to get there. It may not always be easy. And I want right. you to know that, okay, I'm learning a new lesson, I'm gaining a, a new skill, but it may not be easy, easy. So I want them to know that you have to stay in the game. The thing is to stay in the game. It's like sometimes you may fall, but you got to pick yourself back up. You may have a good day. You may have a bad day, but the goal is to stay in the game and just to learn new things. And then with relationships, just the goal of my book series is just to teach them that it's not just one parent or the other parent. You're learning things from your family, your friends, your school. So I want mm-hmm. you to know that I really, really, um, when it came to Sister Garden the Training Wheels, it was um, a labor of love and near and dear to my heart because – um, I lost my dad about three years now to cancer, and I'm I it was a labor of love for me because I had to find somewhere to deal with my grief, and I mm-hmm. always have been a writer, and I decided to start writing, and it made me happy to write the book, and so now it's just to talk to other people about it, it, it kind of make, it brings like a smile to my face because when I was writing, I didn't know it was going to have an impact. And um, that's wow, amazing. When you, yes, it's, that's what's so amazing about life and making decisions that you have to be mindful of your decisions because everything you do can impact either in a positive way or in a negative way. So going forward in my series, I'm, I really want children to think about the decisions that they make and think about how they can make a difference and how their life's going to change and things like that. Because even now, I'm I'm just excited and I'm just so honest tonight to just be on the on the line with you with you guys because I didn't know that I was gonna make an impact and someone would want to read my book and just it's just making me so happy. So the goal my goal right now is just to continue to put the book out there. Um when I ha- release the next book on Sister Girl in a New Dress, that's about her and her mom and she's learning a new skill from her mom. She's learning how to sew. So um, I want children also to learn how to be self-sufficient. We have to teach them that they can learn new things, and they everything they need is within them. It, you don't have to really mm-hmm, always look right. outside of you for something you need. And, you know, you, God has given you your mind, and you can think, and you're valuable, and you have a purpose, and I just want them to know that you can do whatever it is that you set your mind to do. So that's Beautiful I, I told you with Sister Girl Collection makes me want to be a kid again. I'm like, oh, I want to read the next one. Um, when the dress, when you do have this, when the dress book does come out, make sure you let me know so you can come back on the show and talk about it and and Most keep moving the series forward. Definitely. Okay, Miss Johnson and Miss Goodlow, tell me about how the Rose Foundation inspires Black girls, you know, to excel in school, 
um, developing you know, that self, that healthy self worth, esteem, love, pride, respect, identity, and to build like healthy relationships with family, friends, and professional and academic career um, readiness. Okay, yeah, and we'll kind of tag team on this one. Um, but in our mission, it basically states that we want girls to become active contributors to society. Um, and we give them the tools to do that. So whether we're teaching them how to network or teaching them how to be confident, how to stand, how to shake someone's hand, how to do your resume, um, how to speak loudly and so people can hear you. Um, we teach them about self-worth, and um, we read. We always read poems and watch speeches of black women. Uh, we talk about real issues like, Delo said earlier, Tentoya Brown, who um, is in jail for life for killing her pimp, and she was a 16-year-old. Right. Yeah, I read about that. So talk mm-hmm. about real issues. Um, and so with our four pillars, we equip these girls um, with the tools to just be active contributors to society. Yeah, and, of course, our four pillars, what I stated earlier, the first one is educational um, attainment, and there we make our girls have a power hour to particularly study and finish their current school assignments. We are big on grades. We uh, expect weekly progress reports, making sure they are um, have all their uh, school work you know, up to date and everything. Um, and then after that, we uh, immerse themselves in uh, various college preparatory activities. Um, so that's something that's really important for uh, first to learn. And I enjoy, you know, learn about college, preparing for college. They are really, um, you know, excited about, you know, going to that next level. Um, and with our second pillar, which is professional development, um, that consists of, like, enriching curriculum that girls participate in. And those topics from table etiquette to conflict resolution. Conflict resolution is definitely big, especially in high school. A lot of issues. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, and it's, it's always fighting going on. And so we try to help them, you know, find alternatives to, you know, directing their anger and talking to others. Um, with our third pillar, community uh, engagement, and we encourage them to, of course, find a need in the community and create projects that will tackle the uh, the issues that they find. And uh, our last pillar, which is a self-affirmation, where we offer classes that address self-worth and sexuality, um, while offering girls outlets to express themselves in artistic ways. And so <clears throat> self-worth as is like a big thing uh, for me and um, just asking those tough questions about, you know, pregnancy and uh, relationships, where babies come from. They actually ask those kind of things. And so it's wow. Because they want to talk to their parents about it. That's right. But I think that's wonderful. And if someone wants to get in contact with you with the Rose Foundation, how can they contact you? Uh, they can contact us on our website, which is raisingoursisters.org. It has all of our contacts in our social media accounts um, so that y'all can follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, all those things. Okay, great. Excellent. And Ms. Finner, how, if someone wants to contact you about Sister Girl Collection, if they, and leave that goes, and, and remember everyone, for our listeners, um, even for, if you want to contact, contact, um, the Rose Foundation to give presentations, workshops, um, 
to go back to their website. And Ms. Finner, how can they contact you for information on Sister yes. Girl too? Books, everything. Yes, they can contact me via um, www.sistergirlcollection.com. Um, Instagram, Sister Girl Collection. Um, I'm on Facebook, the Sister Girl Collection. Um, so it, just type in www.sistergirl is regular sister girl collection.com. And um, at the website, they can contact me and send me an email. So on the website, all the information is there. Good, wonderful ladies. I want to thank you. This has been a wonderful show. I have enjoyed um, having these great discussions with all of you. It's um, been really enlightening, exciting. Um, you guys have me all pumped up to start getting busy to get these programs out. So, again, I thank you because of your enthusiasm with the passion with all three of you that you have and the love for what you do. Um, you're brilliant young women. You're intelligent. You're going places. So keep doing what you're doing, going in the direction that you're going. And as I stated to you earlier, if I can help you in any way, I'm a phone call, email away, because we need more young women like you, who you are actually, like someone said to me, you are the change that we need to see in the world. And oh, thank you. you're, you're doing great things, so be proud of yourselves. Pat yourselves on the back. Um, because this has just been, uh, for, to me, this has been a phenomenal show. I've, I've enjoyed it. We've covered uh, we great points. And you guys have just been awesome. So what I'm going to do, listeners, reminders to all of you before I forget, don't forget to call for submissions for our anthology, Our Voices, Our Stories. It's going to close on May 31st. And I've made a decision as um, one of the editors is that we will publish with the number or the amount of responses that we received. Um, as I promised everybody, no matter how many, how much or how little, the anthology will still be published. So get your submissions in, encourage your daughters, nieces, cousins, grandmoms, aunts, colleagues to write. And what I find interesting is that we're even getting a lot of submissions from men in which they're advancing, celebrating, embracing, empowering girls and women of color. So I think that's beautiful. So get the submissions in. You can find information on our website, ngwcc.org. Don't forget to tune in tomorrow night when we have our final series, um, final episode in the We Are Our Sisters Keepers series. And that's going to be about the uh, unity for us and by us and how we can advance each other and keep moving forward. Um, ladies, would you hold the line? What I want to do is I always end each show with a nice little reading or poem. This one's kind of long, but I ask if you could be patient and stay on the line because I do want to talk to all three of you before we go off the air. Okay? Okay. Okay, so okay. listeners, this is, this is for everybody. And I wrote this last night, and it's called Somewhere a Little Black Girl. So here goes. And this is food for thought for all of our listeners. Just think about it for our mentors, our counselors, moms, dads. It's important that we know and that we support our girls um, across the board in every way we can. Because somewhere, a little black girl needs someone to teach her to believe with every fiber of her being that the color of her skin, the texture of her hair, and her other features, they render her beautiful. Somewhere, she, a little black girl needs someone to teach her to be comfortable in her skin, 
that she has a voice and will be heard, that she is visible, and that she is more than a young, gifted, and black little girl. Somewhere, a little black girl needs someone to instill a strong sense of self in her at an early age, someone to teach her about the importance of self-love, self-esteem, self-identity, respect, and pride, someone to teach her that her body is a temple and to help her maintain her value system when faced with peer pressure. Somewhere, a little black girl needs an opportunity, someone to understand her unique needs and experiences. Somewhere, a little black girl needs someone to take her from crayons to perfume, someone to hold her hand through heartbreak and disappointment, to help her weather the storms, cheer her on when cheering is needed, and then to become the president of her fan club. Somewhere, a little black girl needs someone to teach her that black is beautiful, the importance of embracing her blackness, and to be her authentic self. Someone to teach her that stamina, resilience, and perseverance are the keys to success, and to, above all else, be true to herself. Someone to teach her to believe that the sky and beyond is the limit for her, to define herself for herself, and to speak her mind intelligently with class and style, to dare to be different and dream in color, and to pave a path for herself through hard work. Somewhere, a little black girl needs someone to teach her that she is a diamond that will continue to sparkle even in the dimmest of light. Someone to show her how to reach for the stars and claim the brightest star in the galaxy as her own. That she can be a superstar and remain humble and to set herself up to win. Someone to teach her to be her inspiration and that the power to transcend her life is within. Somewhere, a little black girl needs someone to teach her about the purpose of education, to prepare her to win spelling bees, science competitions, to think critically, to excel academically, and provide the support and resources needed to help her achieve her goals. Someone to inspire her and teach her to write well, to speak eloquently, and act, interact, and react with class and dignity. Someone to teach her that knowledge is power. Somewhere, a little black girl needs someone to teach her Jesus loves her and that she's God's masterpiece. Someone to teach her to be grateful and thankful that her life is a gift from God, the power of prayer, and how her faith can move mountains. Someone to teach her that with God all things are possible and that she is too blessed to be stressed and that every day is a day of thanksgiving. Somewhere, a little black girl needs someone to teach her to offer helping hand to those in need. Someone to teach her to show compassion, to teach her compassion, to be kind, to give, to love, to be honest in the importance of forgiveness. Someone to empower her, to empower others. Somewhere, a little black girl needs someone to teach her the value of embracing differences, to respect others regardless of where they come from how they look, or any other characteristic. Someone to teach her to be a part of the change needed in the world and to leave the world better than she found it. Somewhere, a little black girl needs someone to teach her to stand firm in her convictions, defy the negative stereotypes about black girls, to break specialized glass ceilings in place for black girls, to be an advocate 
and take a stand on inequality, injustice, racism, colorism, prejudice, bigotry, and other social ills. Somewhere, a little black girl needs you to advance, celebrate, embrace, and empower her because she is a book waiting to be written, a song waiting to be sung, a legacy that must be known, a poem in all its glory, and a blessing in living color. Somewhere, a little black girl needs you. Are you the one? Good night, everyone. Ladies, hold the line. Thank you for joining us for Visibility with your host, Dr. Donna Maria Culpris. You may contact us at 866-829-0163. We're looking forward to you tuning in next Wednesday at 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Until next week, remember to define yourself for yourself. Dare to be different and dream in color. This is Dr. Culpitz signing off for Visibility. Good night.